Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles, Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles, Original Edition, which is published by our dear friend at The Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to a daily email, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society, which contains both a workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.20 to about noon Eastern time. I did that wrong. <laughs> about 9.20 to about 11 Eastern time. That's the recorded portion. We do have an after call after recording where we continue for about an hour. Today we are continuing our reading in Chapter 29, The Awakening, with Section 9, Christ and Antichrist. And at the top of the hour, we'll pause for a touching in with our lesson for the day which is, I see all things as I would have them be. And that would be that usual five brands. Lori, do you have an opening you'd like to offer this morning? I do, Lemoyne. I really enjoyed this little piece from Huffy's light of today's reading and lesson, I sometimes forget that I was created for joy. My mind is too busy, my heart is too heavy, heavy for me to remember that I have been called to dance, this sacred dance for life. I was created to smile, to love, to be lifted up and to lift others up. Oh, sacred one, untangle my feet from all that in it snares. Free my soul that we might dance, that our dancing might be contagious. I see all things as I would have them be. Amen. Amen. <laughs> thank, uh, you. Thank, thank you. Thank you, Larry. Thank you, Larry. That's beautiful. All right, well, again, uh, with us this morning <clears throat> and reading, we have Fran, Lori, Yvonne, Robin Marie, Lana, and Micah. And with us in listening is Diana, Harrison, Ida, Chris. Is there anyone else who would? Who's going to call and would like to join Just say good morning.
Okay. Get it started then. Chapter 29, The Awakening. Section 9, Christ and Antichrist. From paragraph 52. What is an idol? Do you think you know? For idols are unrecognized as such and never seen for what they really are. That is the only power which they have. Their purpose is obscure, and they are feared and worshipped both because you do not know what they are for and why they have been made. An idol is an image of your brother which you would value more than what he is. An idol is an image of your brother which you would value more than what he is. Idols are made that he may be replaced, no matter what their form, and it is this which is never perceived and recognized, be it a body or a thing, a place, a situation or a circumstance, an object owned or wanted, or a right demanded or achieved. It is the same. Section 9, Christ and Antichrist, paragraph 52. What is an idol? Do you think you know? For idols are unrecognized as such and never seen for what they really are. That is the only power which they have. Their purpose is obscure and they are feared and worshipped both because you do not know what they are for and why book why they have been made an idol is an image of your brother which you would value more than what he is idols are made that he may be replaced no matter what their form and it is this which never is perceived and recognized be it a body or a thing a place a situation or a circumstance an object owned or wanted or a right demanded or achieved it is the same. 53. Let not their form deceive you. Idols are but substitutes for your reality. In some way, you believe they will complete your little self and let you walk in safety in a world perceived as dangerous with forces massed against your confidence and peace of mind. They have the power to supply your lacks and add the value which you do not have. No one believes in idols who has not enslaved himself to littleness and loss, and must must seek beyond his little self for strength to raise his head and stand apart from all the misery the world reflects. This is the penalty for looking not within for certainty and quiet calm which liberates you from the world and lets you stand apart and quiet and in peace unlimited. Thank you, friend. And Laurie. Paragraph 53. Let not their form deceive you. Idols are but substitutes for your reality. In some way, you believe they will complete your little self and let you walk safely in safety in a world perceived as dangerous. 
with forces massed against your confidence and peace of mind. They have the power to supply your lacks and add the value which you do not have. No one believes in idols who has not enslaved himself to littleness and loss and thus must seek beyond his little self for strength to raise his head and stand apart from all the misery the world reflects. This is the penalty for looking not within for certainty and quiet calm which liberates you from the world and lets you stand apart in quiet and in peace unlimited. 54. An idol is a false impression or a false belief. Some form of antichrist which constitutes a gap between the Christ and what you see. An idol is a wish made tangible and given form and thus perceived as real and seen outside the mind. Yet it is still a thought and cannot leave the mind that is its source, nor is its form apart from the idea it represents. All forms of antichrist oppose the Christ and fall before his face like a dark veil which seems to shut you off from him alone in darkness. Yet the light is there. A cloud does not put out the sun. No more a veil can banish what it seems to separate nor darken by one wit the light itself. Thank you, Lori. And I apologize. I thought I had the tones off. I do have that. So, uh, Yvonne? Thank you, Lamar. 54. An idol is a false impression or a false belief. Some form of antichrist which constitutes a gap between the Christ and what you see. An idol is a wish made tangible and given form and thus perceived as real and seen outside the mind. Yet it is still a thought and cannot leave the mind that is its source, nor is its form apart from the idea it represents. All forms of Antichrist oppose the Christ and fall before his face like a dark veil which seems to shut you off from him alone in darkness. Yet the light is there. A cloud does not put out the sun. No more a veil can banish what it seems to separate nor darken by one whit the light itself. This world of idols is a veil across the face of Christ because its purpose is to separate your brother from yourself. A dark and fearful purpose, yet a thought without the power to change one blade of glass and one blade of grass from something living to a sign of death. Its form is nowhere, or its source abides within your mind, where God abideth not. Where is this place where what is everywhere has been excluded and kept apart? What hand could be held up to block God's way? Whose voice could make demand he enter not? The more than everything is not a thing to make you tremble and to quail in fear. 
Christ's enemy is nowhere. He can take no form in which he, in which he ever will be real. Thank you. Thank you, Yvonne. And Robin Marie. 55. This world of idols is a veil across the face of Christ because its purpose is to separate your brother from yourself. A dark and fearful purpose, yet a thought without the power to change one blade of grass from something living to a sign of death. Its form is nowhere, for its source abides within your mind, where God abideth not. Where is this place where what is everywhere has been excluded and been kept apart? What hand could be held up to block God's way? Whose voice could make demand he enter not? The quote, more than everything, unquote, is not a thing to make you tremble and to quail in fear. Christ's enemy is nowhere. He can take no form in which he ever will be real. 56. What is an idol? Nothing. It must be believed before it seems to come to life and given power that it may be feared. Its life and power are its believer's gift. And this is what the miracle restores to what has life and power worthy of the gift of heaven and eternal peace. The miracle does not restore the truth. The light the veil between has not put out. It merely lifts the veil and lets the truth shine unencumbered, being what it is. It does not need belief to be itself, for it has been created. So it is. An idol is established by belief, and when it is withdrawn, the idol, quote, dies, unquote. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Lana. Hi. 56. What is an idol? Nothing. It must be believed before it seems to come to life and given power that it may be feared. Its life and power are its believer's gift. And this is what the miracle restores to what has life and power worthy of the gift of heaven and eternal peace. The miracle does not restore the truth. The light the veil between has not put out. It merely lifts the veil and lets the truth shine unencumbered, being what it is. It does not need leaf to be itself, for it has been created, though it is. An idol is established by belief, and when it is withdrawn, the idol, in quotes, dies. 57. This is the Antichrist. The strange idea there is a power past omnipotence, a place beyond the infinite, infinite, a time transcending the eternal. 
Here, the world of idols has been set by the idea this power and place and time are given form and shape the world where, where the impossible has happened. Here, the deathless come to die, the all-encompassing to suffer loss, the timeless to be made the slaves of time, Here does the changeless change, the peace of God forever given to all living things, given way to chaos, and the Son of God, as perfect, sinless, and as loving as his Father, come to hate a little while, to suffer pain, and finally to die. Thank you, Lana. And Micah. Uh, 57. This, uh, I'm going to just go up a sentence. An idol is established by belief, and when it is withdrawn, the idol dies. This is the Antichrist, the strange idea there is a power past omnipotence, a place beyond the infinite a time transcending the eternal. Here the world of idols has been set by the idea this power and place and time are given form and shape the world where the impossible has happened. Here the deathless come to die, the all-encompassing to suffer loss, the timeless to be made the slaves of time. Here does the changeless change, the peace of God forever given to all living things give way to chaos, and the Son of God, as perfect, sinless, and as loving as his Father, come to hate a little while, to suffer pain, and finally to die. 58. Where is an idol? Nowhere. Can there be a gap in what is infinite, a place where time can interrupt eternity, a place of darkness set where all is light, a dismal alcove separated off from what is endless, has no place to be. An idol is beyond where God has set all things forever and has left no room for anything to be except his will. Nothing and nowhere must an idol be, while God is everything and everywhere. Thank you, Micah. And do we have a new reader for 58 and 59? Ida. Okay, Ida. Go ahead. Okay. 58. Where is an idol? Nowhere. Can there be a gap in what is infinite? A place where time can interrupt eternity? A place of darkness set where all is light? A dismal alcove separated off from what is endless has no place to be. An idol is beyond where God has set all things forever and has left no room for anything to be except his will. 
Nothing and nowhere must an idol be, while God is everything and everywhere. 59. What purpose has an idol then? What is it for? This is the only question which has many answers, each depending on the one of whom the question has been asked. The world believes in idols. No one comes unless he worshiped them and still attempts to seek for one that yet might offer him a gift reality does not contain. Each worshiper of idols harbors hope. His special desires will give him more than other men possess. It must be more. It does not really matter more of what, more beauty, more intelligence, more wealth, or even more affliction and more pain, but more of something is an idol for. And when one fails, another takes his place with hope of finding more of something else. Be not deceived by forms the, quote, something, unquote, takes. An idol is a means for getting more, and it is this that is against God's will. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. And is there another new reader for 59 and 60? Do we have a new reader for 59? Good morning. It's Jude. I can do it. Hey, Jude. Hi. (laughs) What purpose has an idol then? What is it for? This is the only question that has many answers, each depending on the one of whom the question has been asked. The world believes in idols. No one comes unless he worships them and still attempts to seek for one that yet might offer him a gift. Reality does not contain. Each worshiper of idols harbors hope his special deities will give him more than other men possess. It must be more. It does not really matter more of what, more beauty, more intelligence, more wealth, or even more affliction and more pain. But more of something is an idol for. And when one fails, another takes its place with hope of finding more of something else. Be not deceived by forms. The something takes. An idol is a means for getting more. And it is this that is against God's will. God has not many sons, but only one. Who could or who can have more and who be given less? In heaven, would the Son of God but laugh? if idols could intrude upon his peace. For it is for him the Holy Spirit speaks and tells you idols have no purpose here. For more than heaven you can never have. If heaven is within, why would you seek for idols 
that would make of heaven less, to give you more than God bestowed upon your brother and on you as one with him. God gave you all there is, and to be sure you could not lose it, did he he also give (laughs) the same to every living thing as well? And thus is every living thing a part of you as of himself. No idol can establish you as more than God, but you will never be content with being less. Amen. Uh, thank you, Judy. And is is there another new reader who would like to conclude with 60? This is Mindy. I would love to. Okay. Go ahead. Thank you. 60. God has not many sons, but only one. Who can have more? And who be given less? In heaven would the Son of God but laugh if idols could intrude upon his peace. It is for him the Holy Spirit speaks and tells you idols have no purpose here. For more than heaven can you never have. If heaven is within, why would you seek for idols which would make of heaven less to give you more than God bestowed upon your brother and on you as one with him? God gave you all there is. And to be sure you could not lose it, did he also give the same to every living thing as well. And thus is every living thing a part of you as of himself. No idol can establish you as more than God, but you will never be content with being thus. Yes, amen. <laughs> Thank you, Mindy. Mm-hmm. And just feel called to ask, is there anyone else who would like to uh, read 60 again in conclusion of our reading? Okay. Well, try to <laughs> try to summarize this section here. Christ and Antichrist. Most of fifty-two. What is an idol? Idols are unrecognized as such and never seen for what they really are. This is the only power which they have. Their purpose is obscure, and they are feared and worshipped both because you do not know what they are for and why they have been made. An idol is an image of your brother which you would value more than what he is. Idols are made that he may be replaced no matter what their form. 
and it is this which is never perceived and recognized. Be it a body, a thing, a place, a situation, or a circumstance, an object owned or wanted, a right demanded or achieved, it is the same. An idol is the image of your brother to you would value more than what it is. 53. Idols are but substitutes for your reality. They have the power to supply your lack and add the value which you believe you do not have. This is the penalty for looking not within for certainty and quiet calm which liberates you from the world and lets you stand apart in quiet and in peace unlimited. <laughs> 54. An idol is a false impression or a false belief, a wish made tangible, given form, and thus perceived as real and seen outside the mind. All forms of Antichrist oppose the Christ and fall before his face like a dark veil which seems to shut you off from him alone in darkness. Yet the light is there. A cloud does not put out the sun. No more a veil can banish what it seems to separate, nor can it darken by one width the light itself. Fifty-five, this world of idols is a veil across the face of Christ because its purpose is to separate your brother from yourself. A dark and fearful purpose, yet a thought without the power to change one blade of grass from something living to the time of death. Christ's enemy is nowhere. He can take no form in which he ever will be real. What is an idol? Nothing. It must be believed before it seems to come to life and given power that it may be feared. The miracle does not restore the truth. It merely lifts the veil and lets the truth shine unencumbered, being what it is. A miracle does not need belief to be itself, for it has been created, so it is. An idol is established by belief, and when the belief is withdrawn, the idol dies. 57. This is the Antichrist, the strange idea that there is a power past omnipotence, a place beyond the infinite, Time transcending the eternal. In the world of idols, here does the changeless change, the peace of God forever given to all living things gives way to chaos. And the Son of God, as perfect, sinless, and as loving as his Father, comes to hate a little while, to suffer pain, and finally to die. 58. Where is an idol? Nowhere. Can there be a gap in what is infinite? A place where time can interrupt eternity? Nothing and nowhere must an idol be where 
while God is everything and everywhere. In 59, what, is, what purpose has an idol then? What purpose has an idol then? What is it for? This is the only question which has many answers, each depending on the one whom, of whom the question has been asked. The world believes in idols. No one comes unless he worships them and still attempts to seek for one that yet might offer him a gift reality does not contain. Each worshiper of idols harbors hope his special deities will give him more than other men possess. It must be more. It does not really matter more of what, more beauty, more intelligence, more wealth, or even more affliction and more pain. But more of something is an idol for. And when one fails, another takes its place with hope of finding more of something else. Be not deceived by forms, be something. An idol is a means for getting more. And it is this that is against God's will. God has not many sons, but only one. Who can have more, and who can be given less? In heaven would the Son of God but laugh if idols could intrude upon his feet. It is for him the Holy Spirit speaks and tells you, idols have no purpose here. For more than heaven can you never have. If heaven is within, why would you seek for idols which would make of heaven less? God gave you all there is. God gave you all there is. And to be sure you could not lose it, did he also give the same to every living thing as well. And thus is every living thing a part of you as of himself. <clears throat> so must you be joined with every living thing as well. No idol can establish you as more than God, but you will never be content with being one. And if remember our lesson, let us not be content with being one. All right. Well, we have a few minutes before the top of the hour. Like to share. morning, Lemoyne, everyone. Thanks uh, for the summary, Lemoyne. I wanted to uh, just uh, go back and, and uh, read paragraph 60. Uh, where it says, God gave you all there is. And to be sure you could not lose it, did he also give the same to every living thing as well? And thus, is every living thing a part of you as of him, 
myself. Um, that, that really spoke to me this morning, very loud and clear. So I'm very, I'm very grateful for that this morning. I'm complete. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you, Yvonne. Thank you. I have to leave now. I'm getting ready to vote, so I'm on my way. <laughs> blessings, everyone, today. Bye. Oh, blessings, Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning. It's Mindy. That last line about he gave it to every living thing. Um, <laughs> that means that my cats have God. They have no idols. They have God. They are just as aware and awake to the life force and love and divine intelligence that's in them as I am. And if God is present equally in every living thing, Wow, who am I to be constantly worried and thinking that I, little I, am responsible for these little beings when God is in them and Mindy can just step back and relax a little bit and uh, just let spirit guide her because the same spirit that's guiding her is guiding them. So what a, what a relief and how much does a burden become a blessing when I recognize God, they're not separate in any way, shape, or form from God, even though they may not have a conceptual idea of all the things I know. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Wow, what a relief. I can give it all to God because God is present in my cats and the awareness that they need to express themselves genuinely and to be a celebration and a part of the expression of God is already there. And the only thing I'm here to do is to witness it and allow it and to be in partnership with them in being in a place of love. <laughs> I'm complete. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Oh, thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Good morning, Terrence. This is such a direct explanation of idols. It's a form of antichrist, a false impression or a false belief. that constitutes a gap between the Christ and what I see. It's a wish made tangible and given form and thus perceived as real and seen outside the mind. Yet it's still a thought that cannot leave the mind that is its source. So to me, that means everything I think I experience with my senses 
my eye, this my ear, this my sense of smell and touch. They're all forms of Antichrist. Christ has no form. God has no form. I have no form. I, the capital I, have no form. Any and everything that I uh, see, that I think I see, in my experience as a body represents the effect of my belief in idols. This whole world of form is represents an idea apart from God. And when he says in 56, what is an idol? Nothing. An idol is simply a belief that seems to come to life and be given power that it may be feared. This is the Antichrist. The strange idea there is a power past omnipotence, a place beyond the infinite, a time transcending the eternal. Wow. That captures and that that's really an incredible definition of the Antichrist. And it explains the whole world of bodies and at the end of 57 he says and the son of God as perfect sinless and as loving as his father come to hate a little while to suffer pain and finally to die. That's what belief in idols produces. And he said, where is an idol? Nowhere. I don't, do not exist. An idol is something that I have created 
to replace the truth. And the worst part is it's something that I created to replace God. And therefore to replace the truth of who I am. And the, the good news is that I can learn, I can come to know that I do, do not exist. And they never have. The only thing that's true is what God created. And that's the challenge. Is reaching that understanding. It's I've gone past the top of the hour. I'm sorry. I'm complete. Oh, thank you. Thank, thank you, Harrison. Thank you. 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 Remembering the lesson? Sure. Hi, everybody. We are in the second part of the workbook. The theme that we're on now is what is the last judgment? And today's lesson is lesson 312. I see all things as I would have them be. So I shall read some from the what is the last judgment. Christ's second coming gives the Son of God the gift to hear the voice for God proclaim that what is false is false and what is true has never changed. And this the judgment is in which perception ends. The final judgment on the world contains no condemnation for it sees the world as totally forgiven without sin and wholly purposeless. Without a cause And now without a function in Christ's sight, it merely slips away to nothingness. There it was born, and there it ends as well. And all the figures in the dream in which the world began go with it. Bodies now are useless and will therefore fade away because the Son of God is limitless. God's final judgment is as merciful as every step in his appointed plan to bless his son and call him to return to the eternal peace he shares with him. Be not afraid of love, for it alone can heal all sorrow, wipe away all tears, and gently waken from his dream of pain the son of God, son whom God acknowledges as his. Be not afraid of this, 
Salvation asks you, give it welcome. This is God's final judgment. Quote, you are still my holy son, forever innocent, forever loving, and forever loved, as limitless as your creator and completely changeless and forever pure. Therefore, awaken and return to me. I am your father and you are my son. Unquote. We'll go to today's lesson. Lesson 312. I see all things as I would have them be. Perception follows judgment. Having judged, you therefore see what you would look upon. For vision merely serves to offer you what you would have. It is impossible to overlook what you would see and fail to see what you have chosen to behold. How surely, therefore, must the real world come to greet the holy sight of anyone who takes the Holy Spirit's purpose as his goal for seeing. And he cannot fail to look upon what Christ would have him see and share Christ's love for what he looks upon. I have no purpose for today except to look upon a liberated world set free from all the judgments I have made. Father, this is your will for me today. And therefore, it must be my goal as well. We'll take a moment and reflect on this. Lesson 312. I see all things as I would have them be. I have no purpose for today except to look upon the liberated world, set free from all the judgments I have made. Father, this is your will for me today, and therefore it must be my goal as well. Lesson 312, I see all things as I would have them be. Amen. 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 Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Fran. Oh, lovely, Fran. Thank you. Yes, thank you, Fran. It was lovely. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Fran. This is Diana, and I just want to acknowledge Harrison. Thank you so much for your share today. Um, I really feel like it has to come down to self-love. If we truly love ourselves and we know where we're coming from, which is in our center, the core, that, that heart space where God resides, 
then idols can drop away because even idols today are just next, next, and then what becomes of them unless you have, unless they're secure in who they are. And and I just feel like it has to be an inside job. We have to love and know who we are before, and, and then and that's enough. You know, all of these other things aren't replacements for what we already have. Um, I'm complete. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Thank you, Diana. Ed, thank you, Diana. I know I emphasized the line that... uh, an idol is an image of your brother, which you would value more than what it is. But I think, you know, same being same, an idol can be an image of ourselves, which we value more than what we are. So thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, Patricia here. The lesson this morning takes me to the origin of the power of this course. Just coincidentally came to me when I began to work at a health center. So I used that closing hours for meetings. And that uh, ability to see what is perfect uh, with a patient that comes so horribly yelling all the things that are not okay. To look at what does not need to change was the magic of that center and what put together this course for so many people, doctors and people in the healing world. They couldn't talk about it other than their only job was to meet that patient and know that doctor's blind and they're creating idols out of their diagnoses, out of anything that tells a story of that patient needing more. And that was a powerful word in the reading combined with the lesson today. Any moment I perceive the desire for something different I back off of it, and I stay in silence because that isn't the world that shows me God. So I don't discount what is. We give them warm blankets. We comfort the suffering, but we don't speak or aim towards making anything an error. And that was what we learned that idol was. It was an attitude of moreness, of a lack. I love this. Try to kill him so much. Thank you. Oh, me too. Thank you, Patricia. It's beautiful. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Thank you, Patricia. Oh, good morning, it's Lana. Uh, wow, I was um, reading this section this morning, and you know how when you open up A Course of Miracles and 
all you know, it just seems like every time I read it, it's exactly what I need to hear. And that moment, it's like, how did you know, Jesus? <laughs> but um, uh, when I think of idols, I think of specialness and 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 um, and the specialness, the special meaning I give to something, and um, or someone, something. You know, it could be. Uh, person, place, or thing, circumstance. Um, and uh, for me, what I notice initially that kind of um, uh, tips me off on it is I notice that whatever that is, whatever that specialness is, it's occupying my mind more than God. Um, I notice that because I try to stay in the awareness of God and truth uh, most of you know most of the day, most of the time. So when I'm distracted from that, um, uh, an idol is brewing. <laughs> an idol is brewing, and and fortunately, you know, I I believe we all through the mind training can um, be tipped off early in the game now, so that um, we can uh, catch ourselves before we sink into that abyss, that darkness. Um, not always, you know, it's challenging, especially where people are concerned, where illnesses are concerned. Um, and, you know, I'm just speaking of my, my own experience here, but um, Jesus, when I, when I think of uh, idols and specialness and I read this section, it's like he just nails it. You know, I can relate to everything he's saying here um, just from my own experiences of specialness and making idols, making something out of nothing, <laughs> um, and then going and doing battle with it. And, uh, and I think our special relationships, at least for me, are the most confusing um, because uh, when you think that you love a person, um, truly, uh, it's a real tricky little line there, you know, where uh, that love for a person, a particular person, can um, distract me from God. I make the person my God, or I'll make, um, on the other end of the spectrum, I'll make a, an illness a God which means in my mind I've defined them or it as being more powerful, as supplying uh, a need or filling a perceived lack. I, you know, I throw God under the bus and say, oh, no, this is going to be my savior. This is going to be my saving grace. And um, before you know it, I'm in the quicksand just being pulled into it. So I... I do try to catch myself early on where I see that a person, place, or thing is occupying my time more than God is. If I can catch it in that preliminary stage before the pain <laughs> starts to consume me, um, I'm more successful at being willing to heal it. Um, so... Um, this section is really was really uh, a wonderful reminder for me this morning about certain things, and 
certain people and uh, certain situations, and um, and I was glad to have it there. <laughs> so I'm complete. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Lana. Yeah, I sure enjoyed that. Thanks, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Love your experience. Oh, thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. Thank you, Lana. For sharing. This, um, I think, holds pretty much the whole course for me. The distinction of making myself an image of myself. I made what I made, and the difference between I'm, what I made or what we make of ourselves, the self-concept, and then looking through the eyes of perception, as Harrison so wonderfully spoke of, um, and, and, and perceiving reality as I would have it be through the eyes of perception, slicing and dicing it according to the unstable unstable scales of desire. And I was looking at that. I I always love that phrase from the text, that that's what perception is, you know, judging things as more meaningful, more valuable, comparing and evaluating the whole process of elimination prioritizing, organizing, egoic thought system is is riddled with that um, and how this this um, this reading really just destroys the idea ideas, false beliefs, ideas uh, that are false beliefs that we can compare, that we can evaluate, that we can um, give something more meaning than something else, um, more value than anything else. You know, that God is in everything, as everything. His being is in everything, as everything. And what is this but a game we play with our identity, with a capital I, myself as the Son of God, the Christ, the totality of his creation, which is all within me, within my mind. I'm purely mind in the mind of God. This is how he created me, purely spirit, unalterable, unchangeable, immortal, boundaryless, seamless, without distinction, without any difference. What is the same cannot be different. And what is one cannot have separate parts. To deny my reality... My identity as the kingdom of heaven. I am the kingdom of heaven. As acknowledging myself as God, my Father created me. That is the unity, the one will of the Son with the Father. As I see myself, I see God as he sees me. Into me you see the intimacy of every experience I have with Every single living thing and every single person is a holy encounter. Peace be with me. Peace be with you. I wouldn't or couldn't have it any other way. I wouldn't or couldn't make a gap 
between the love. There's no gap. There's no in-between. The love that is the totality of God's love. And that's when I begin to really become joyful knowing, in the knowing that I am that knowing, I am God knowing itself as himself. I have the capacity, my mind has the capacity to recognize the truth of that. The holiness, holiness of it is its wholeness, that it is one and the same. There's nothing to be afraid of. There's nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing that's not acceptable because love is in all of it. There is no place where God is not. There is no place where love is not. There is no place where eternal life is not. It's a joyous happening. God is happening. <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing grace, the unicity. And but the mind is the mind is you know, the mind is any thought that we can have is changeable. Any emotion that we have is changeable. Any any feeling like Harrison was speaking of the sensorial body is changeable. It's temporaneous, and it's external to the mind. God did not create it. The Course speaks of this, that thought doesn't create form. I don't know how all that works. I can't go into that. So, But I don't have to, because I, when I stick with my identity with a capital I, I can know the truth of who I am, and this is an unshakable you know, I'm, I'm at peace with the world. The real world is real. And ah, the end. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. I love you all. I love you too. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Uh, this is Micah. I, um, I was struck with this section about, re- it really moved me into the dream and the mind. And, and Harrison, you highlighted the section that really uh, started to shift my experience this morning about looking at the dream and mind. And then, and then it wove into, uh, you know, the what, what is the, what is the, talking about what is the last judgment and um again it it, uh, so hopefully i can leave these two together but it started there with you know an idol is seen outside the mind and um uh it to you know that really brought in the feeling of the power that that i we are the i am the dreamer of the dream and um, I got a few quotes. So I turned, uh, you know, into my dream pamphlet quotes and saw right away this one. Little child, the light is there. You do but dream. And idols are the toys you dream you play with. Who has need of toys but children? They pretend they rule the world and give their toys the power to move about and talk and think and feel and speak for them. Yet everything their toys appear to do is in the mind of those who play with them. 
we're these amazing you know jesus says you can you, you can create worlds and this mind is astounding how it dreams this world of time and space uh, but they uh, finish the quote. But they are eager to forget they made up the dream in which their toys are real, nor recognize their wishes are their own. And another one about the dream here. It is because the thoughts you think you think appear as images that you do not recognize them as nothing. You think you think them, and so you think you see them. This is how your seeing was made. This is the function you have given your body's eyes. It is not seeing. It is image making. It takes the place of seeing, replacing vision with illusion. And um, in this section on the last judgment, well, before I move away from here, there was another part in this where it says... um, the second line in that, say, idols are seen outside the mind, yet it is still a thought and cannot leave the mind that is its source. And from now to the, uh, what is the last judgment? And, and Fran, thank you for highlighting paragraph two, because that, that really kind of opened up the, the veil a little, you know. It was the final judgment on the world contains no condemnation. For it sees the world as totally forgiven, without sin and wholly purposeless, without a cause and now without a function in Christ's sight, it merely slips away to nothingness. There it was born, and there it ends as well, and all the figures in the dream in which the world began go with it. Bodies now are useless and will therefore fade away because the Son of God is limitless. And it brought up right away this memory of one of the most powerful experiences in my life that took place probably within five minutes, but within those five minutes, maybe, yeah, I think it was about five minutes, the whole, the whole drama acted out on this theater of time and space uh, played out right in front of my eyes and it started out where was it the Santa Fe Baking Company it's a nice little place for breakfast and lunches and stuff and um, I was sitting there to bless and uh, Holy Spirit the voice said uh, see them as sinless spotless and pure and I, I was startled because normally the movement was out of body identification, more into the spacious self and into that mind, and then to look on the dream and, and see my brothers as sinless, thoughtless, and pure from the point of view of feeling their mind as a reality of their truth. And so I was curious, well, how is this going to work? You know, we're... Here we are in time space. I'm identified in a body, and I'm seeing other bodies and personalities. But I, you know, I just followed spirit and just started looking at them as sinless, spotless, and pure. And as the as the time went by, this part probably took longer. This could have taken 45 minutes, maybe. But eventually came this dawning of how sinless and spotless they were as an effect of an individuated mind. Something started to dawn on an individuated mind. 
and and, and that was represented by all these bodies. You know, each one had their own individuated mind. And but those minds, the feeling of that mind matrix started to get more and more holy. And it was a total integration with time-space and the bodies walking around in time-space. And as the mind got more holy, it got more unified. It, it started to become one mind. And, and then that mind as it got more and more filled with light and will became a disconnection permeated by and it was one with God's mind. And it ended up all being God. And it literally felt like this return back to everything being God. The dream, and it literally felt this way, that the dream could roll up now. Because its purpose had been fulfilled, which was this returning in awareness that God was everything. And it was a, it was playing in this realm of of uh, I hesitate to say the word illusion because that that can be demeaning to some people, but I you know the super reality of consciousness manifesting form, and uh, so it, it it was this whole thing like it could fade away because its purpose was done, and um, I just want to end with um, a couple quotes here. Uh, let's see. Uh, here we are. Uh, that's one I read a lot, but it's it's a really a good one. Let no appearance of my sins obscure the light of heaven shining on the world. What is reflected there is in God's mind. And another one, heaven and earth shall pass away means they will not continue to exist as separate states. Things were so holy when everything was seen as God, and yet it was—it could roll up. Its purpose was done. Now, now, does that creative part go off somewhere and not do anything anymore? I don't think. I think. I think it kind of—it's so creative. Who knows what it's going to do? And then one last one. I ask. Oh, okay. There is no place for hell within a world whose loveliness can yet be so intense and so inclusive. It is but a step from there to heaven. To your tired eyes, I bring a vision of a different world, so new and clean and fresh. You will forget the pain and sorrow that you saw before. Yet this is a vision. In yet this, a vision is which you must share with everyone you see, for otherwise you will behold it not. To give this gift is how to make it yours, and God ordained in loving kindness that it be for you. Um, I just I just love how um, we come to see with uh, Christ's vision and his the one last one. Um, no, that's not the one. <laughs> Hang on just a second. Deep, 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 deep. And then I'm done. Here we go. Um, Christ has dreamed the dream of a forgiven world. It is his gift whereby a sweet transition can be made from death to life, from hopelessness to hope. Let us an instant dream with him. His dream awakens us to truth. 
His vision gives the means for a return to our unlost and everlasting sanctity in God. And Jesus says it. We can but dream here, at least for now. Anyway, it's all amazing how these these layers of, of love and light moving through from the petri dish. You know, no, you know, we can get down into details, and God is in the details, in the threads of things. You know, or we can pull back out and go into the spacious self and be one in our magnitude. You know, it's uh, it's amazing. I'm done. Thank you. Oh, that was great. Thank you. Thank you, Micah. Oh, Micah, that was just sublime. Thank you. Well, you're welcome. Thank, Thank you. you. Thank you, Micah. You're welcome, Lemoyne. This is Diana. If we're thinking about other things, we're not thinking about God. Idols can be in the form of food, addiction, and I think to go back into your breath. I'm I'm just telling you what works for me. But going back into your breath and going to your heart space and deeply breathing in and out to refocus, recenter, reset, and those creative energies that come and flow start flowing through your body could be placed in things like a walk, like anything, honoring nature, coming back to our center. Um, idols are a tricky thing because they're all around us. And if we remember who we are in Christ, simply by returning to your breath, something that simple, and recenter and giving yourself a moment of meditation to dwell and be back in Christ's space. Then a lot of addictions are lifted in that moment or idols, you know. Uh, I think worshiping idols like pop stars and this or that or something, there's only limited seats in that arena anyway. And a lot of us try to, to get there, and some of us fail, so we stand on the side of just step, stepping, stepping behind and worshiping these folks, you know, idolizing how they dress or, you know, the trends they set and what have you. But that is a form of loneliness, and that is a form of not trusting who you are. No matter what you do, that's enough. That you don't have to strive for anything more than what you are capable, what your gift is to, to contribute to the world through your gift and love yourself. Um, I'm just trying to really break this down where I can understand it better. I'm complete. Thank you, Diana. Oh, that's lovely, Diana. Thank you. And thank you, Diana. I think it was you earlier who pointed out that um, 
the relationship that's special. That's what turns a perfectly fine tree into an idol, whatever the object situation is our uh, imposition specialness what is universal so thank you thank you thanks for waiting thank you Lemoyne I love what you said, turning a perfectly fine tree. <laughs> that was cute. I just love the, the share that I just heard. I I love the idea that God meets us wherever we are on the dance floor. You know, whatever is troubling me or what seems to be troubling me or what seems to be challenging to me, whatever seems or appears to be hurting um, me or appears to be hurting others that I, that I care for, um, all these things that seem to be or appear um, in the eyes of perception that I should not be deceived of, that he would, uh, he is my constant source of comfort, that constant um, sense of surety, of calm and peace and strength, that heaven goes with me wherever I go, that I um, recognize my complete dependence, the complete dependence of my mind upon him who, who, who is my source? Who is the so- source of every right thought that I could possibly have? The source of my right-mindedness that directs me and steers me in the, in, in the direction that I would go, which is just homeward towards heaven, home to being who I am as he created me to be, to be more honest and gentle and truthful and loving, um, to know what's God's, to know that God is the healer, and 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 to recognize the limit, the limitations of what I'm doing. Judy thinks she's doing, and and recognizing His limitless power and love is 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 the truth of what heals and and makes whole. You know, there's this this balance that I. I try to um, to keep in my mind where um, recognizing recognizing um, that I have the power, the beauty and the power of the mind of God is my hidden inner resource, that secret dwelling place of silence and stillness that enables me to see clear clearly through chaos, 
to see clearly with his light to looking through me that I have that power that I have that power within me that he could use me and I can allow him and let him be me through me in and being present and listen listening and, and quiet and welcoming whatever appears before my eyes eyes without judging it and without thinking that I know what to do because I don't not in my limited perception that judgment is is a dishonest act as far as my ego goes it doesn't know what the heck to to say or to do is in a, in the proper response but the sorting out the Judy from the my true identity as the Christ is is um a joyful process. It's a pain relieving. It's a comforting. It's a joyful instead of misery. You know, it's all the the flipping of the coin um, into a, a higher, trans, more transcendental um, kingdom kingdom of thought. What what thoughts are worthy of God? You know, used to be something that was really wowed me, you know, but now it's like it feels more natural and and quiet and and totally giving and, and um, you know, with the ability to just sit back and and wait and um, and know that all is well, no matter what things appear before my body's eyes. And to trust in that, I think this is trust growing within me this trusting 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 is the big 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 thing so i'm grateful for it and i'm grateful for all your wonderful hearts and minds that give me a place to to be in in my in my um ever expanding understanding of what the truth is for this i am grateful i love you Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Love you, too. Yeah, thank you, Judy. This is LeMoyne. I I just had one quick thought, which I had uh, originally when I was preparing, and now it's on hold discussion and about the um, you know what is the ego it's, uh, an idol the fear that we have made to hide who we really are as forever innocent forever loving and forever loved and uh, all it does is obscure. Not really based. Its only purpose is to separate us from ourselves. So now we have an extra voice. <laughs> anyway, I've completed that. Thanks, Lemoyne. Oh, thank you, Lemoyne. <laughs> When the 
the new um, idea in the in the in the um, lesson that the last judgment it it says fear not love fear not love and Paula when she was reading it this morning reread it over twice and it was like one of those boings in my head and and I thought that's just to be afraid of yourself and you know it speaks a lot of that in the course that we're afraid of who we are, the power of our minds, the power of of the truth of our identity. It's just it's afraid of love, to be afraid of love. And and to think that God is all in all and that God is love and that's the fact. There's no place where love is not. That we're if we're afraid of anything, anything at all, we're afraid of love. You know, God's so I don't know. I'm just I'm just trying to reduce it to it to what is it is merely what it is, and it's the simplest of statements of the truth. It with the capital I is God is. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Thank you, Judy. Yeah, be not afraid of love. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, good morning, everyone. This is Lori. I sure have enjoyed everything I've heard here this morning. And um, I hope I'm not stepping in front of someone. Um, so I'll pause in that event. But um, okay. Well, I love today's lesson because it holds the key to my freedom. <laughs> I see all things as I would have them be. Um, oh, and tomorrow's lesson. Tomorrow's lesson just sings of the glory of it all. Now let a new perception come to me. Um, the reason this lesson and yesterday's lesson hold the keys to my freedom is because I had no degree. I had no, no, no concept of the degree to which freedom uh, was kept from my own mind by the judgments that I entertained. Judgments became my prison. First of all, the judgment I held against myself, only my condemnation injures me, but also my condemnation of creation also injures me. How about that? In fact, condemnation, wherever it's directed, inward or outward, makes no difference because it's a knife that slices either way. If I judge all things as I would have them be and see all things as I would have them be, I'm blind. I'm utterly blind to reality. I'm blind to my own reality. I'm blind and fearful of God and I'm blind and fearful of creation. 
judgment becomes the prison that holds the willing slave. Um, and so these two lessons, along with every lesson in the workbook, uh, work together to orchestrate my freedom. And once I'm free, I'm only able to give freedom. That's the beautiful thing. And that's why um, in this business of <laughs> Christ and Antichrist, in this business of perception, um, I have to turn. I have to turn to the only one who knows, the Holy Spirit. And, and when I thought about it this morning, I, you know, instantly in my mind came the thought, my mind can only serve. My mind can only serve if I elect, and that's my freedom, if I elect to let it serve idols or the ego, one of the same. If I elect to use my mind for judgment, also the same. Um, I'm building a wall around myself and keeping myself separate from everything. In, in here's a quote I really, really, really adore from quote from Course of Love. The world does not keep you separate. You keep yourself separate from the world. Freedom, freedom from that error is remembering my mind can only serve. And my mind can only serve illusion or truth. Those are the only two choices available to me. Uh, the ego and all the illusory world of stories it tells uh, or truth. And when I elect that my mind should serve the truth, uh, now I know what he means by I have a kingdom which I must rule. In that lesson, I have a kingdom I must rule. It seems like my mind rules me. But in point of fact, I have a kingdom I must rule. And when I elect that my mind serve Holy Spirit, everything is given to me. And when everything is mine, and that's what he means when he says, I've, God has given himself to me. God has given creation to me. You live in me and I live in you. You live in everything as I live in everything. We live in each other. The sonship is our soul. You know, if I start throwing around condemnation, I'm killing myself. You know, and that hurts a lot. It doesn't mean I don't do it sometimes, and I so regret when I do. And the great good news is that judgment has no effect. And that's what he means by an idol. It's nothing in nowhere. It has no effect that I don't give it. It can't do anything. It's purposeless. It serves nothing except for the mind that wants to be separate. That's what an idol does. It serves the mind that wants to be separate. One time I was talking to a friend and, and she asked me, well, what is the ego anyway? And in that moment in time, it seemed the right answer was the ego is a thief. It lives on food that you throw it. Um, 
it has the reality that you give it. It's really nothing and nowhere, in the same way an idol is nothing and nowhere. But I have to I have to let my mind learn these things. And that's the beauty of these lessons. You know, everything I relinquish is an error. And everything that rushes in is truth. That's just the way it works. When mind serves only spirit, it makes a place in it where reality can be given. Um, there's nothing I need do to allow this to happen except be willing to give up my idea, my erroneous thought, my error, my judgment, my mistake, my false beliefs, my false impressions. All these things are manufactured out of fear from a mind that thinks it is alone. But when the truth comes, truth will restore everything. One of the favorite things that Helen wrote down that I know she must have identified with was in the section on teaching and learning. She wrote down, you have taught and you have taught well from far beyond you. Yet still within you, you have taught the love of God, but you have not let what you taught teach you. <laughs> you know, you have not let what you taught teach you. I haven't, I haven't let my perceptions be so corrected that I come to understand my holiness lives in you, God's Son. That without you, I know nothing. That without my brothers, I know nothing. That you hold the mirror to me. And when I've given up my false impressions, I will see what I am in the light of your awareness. You see, when I came to this group five or six years ago, I heard, you know, and this is how Holy Spirit talks to me, impressions and synchronicities and thoughts that come, and very, very, very rarely words. But at that time, I heard two words, just two, and they're the only two I ever have needed. One is to soften, just soften, and the other one is to attend, to attend to Christ's mind mind we share is shared by all our brothers and when we see them truly they will be saved and so will we you know when mind can only serve mind serves the truth this mind we share as I said before is shared by all our brothers the only uh, thing that can ever interfere with it is the thought that there's a separate mind serving a separate will. Remember Lesson 74, there is no will but God. All your conflict comes from the idea that there is a separate will. <laughs> you know, the tiny mad idea at which the Son of God forgot to laugh. Um, it turns out everything in creation is shared. 
learned, as it says in the manual for teachers, unity alone is not a thing of dreams. We um, we so need each other. And in the section on perception, uh, let's see here, what am I in? Experience and perception. I really love this, and I really love how um, right in the middle of all these problems of idle conferring, <laughs> In paragraph 56, he gives us our escape key, our, um, our door, our door from this problem. He says, miracles restore, miracles lift the veil to the light that wasn't ever gone. It was always there, except that my judgment cast a shadow on it. Here's the great thing about shadows, and, and this is... Um, this is pretty key to me. When the light is behind me, as a body, okay, I'm in a body and the light is behind me, I cast a shadow. But when the light is before me, there is no shadow in my awareness. And that's what attend to me means to me. When I keep my mind on Christ's mind, there is no shadow cast upon the truth because it's behind me. In the same way, that he says, what am I? I am God's son, shining in the reflection of his love. This world of mirrors is all designed for God to manifest himself to himself. You see, that's the one self we share. And when I start dicing and slicing reality into bits and pieces, not only do I lose track of reality, I lose track of myself. But in experience and perception, he says, I'm leading you to a new kind of perception because I'm giving you new experiences. And the new experiences, every time I let an error from my mind be released, forgiveness and the miracle rushes in to restore what was never lost. The more often I do that, the more I seem to be standing in the light. The light never left, but I let my dark ideas cast a veil over the face of Christ. I need to do nothing except be willing to soften and attend. These hard ideas, these hard restrictive ideas that say you are X and I am Y, <laughs> or this is X and I am Y. These hard ideas are idols. But he says in lesson 156, I think, I walk with God in perfect holiness. This is the way salvation works. Well, let's see, how does that go? The littleness in you steps back and the light in you steps forward. I don't have to do anything except be willing to step back. You see? And so, you always choose between your weakness and the strength of Christ in you. The strength of Christ does everything. It's, it's our natural inheritance. We have natural responses, natural loving responses that live behind our fear. They never went away. Um, all I have to do is be willing to let my error go and the truth 
steps in to give me my natural awareness, my natural response to a situation, regardless how it looks to the mind. But when my mind can only serve, it says, I will step back and let him lead the way. I don't have anything to give to truth except myself. And when I give my small self to truth, guess what happens? Um, I become aware that I'm everything and everywhere. That this Christ light can't be put out. That it never was put out. Um, I just cast a shadow across the face of it. With what? With my judgments. Miracles release me from all that. Because the miracle rides the same horse as forgiveness. It lets the truth rush in. And when the truth rushes in, all that's really there is love. It's the only thing we can really share. You cannot give anything but love to anyone, nor can you ever really receive anything but love from him. It's the natural inheritance of the sons of God. Um, so today I'm willing to give up my judgments, give up my way of seeing, so that I can be restored to the truth. And then I'll know what he means when he says, guard them in their resurrection. You see, everything, if everything belongs to me, how would I possibly condemn it? How could I possibly let darkness obliterate it? If everything belongs to me, wouldn't I naturally protect it and love and embrace it, hold it to my heart and um, protect it? This is what it means to me to be the sons of the living God. The living God. Not an idea somewhere else, but right here, right now with us. So be a lamp, be a lighter, or a lifeboat. Walk out of your house like a shepherd. Because truth and holiness are for us to protect. Not to place somewhere in the nowhere land. But to guard and protect. I'm complete. Oh, thanks so much. Wow. That was great. Oh, that was gorgeous, Lori. Yeah. Thank you. Wow, that was Thank excellent. You. Thank you, Lori. Beautiful, Lori. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Lori. Lori, did you have an opening that I missed? Hello. That's an interesting question because yeah. <laughs> we're uh, we're at the closing. I'm just going to ask if you have a closing. <laughs> Holy mackerel! I didn't realize I went on like that. Oh goodness sakes! Well, you know what? We'll close where we opened because it's so perfect. I sometimes forget I was created for joy. My mind is too busy and my heart too heavy, heavy for me to remember that I have been called to dance, the sacred dance for life. I was created to smile, to love, to be lifted up and to lift others up. O sacred one, untangle my feet from all that ensnares, free my soul, that we might dance and that our dancing might be contagious. 
pray that this is coming maybe soon. Amen. 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 Thank you. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Thank you, Thank everyone. Thank you, everyone. I need to run, but it's been a gorgeous evening. Yeah. Thank Love you. you. Thank you, Lena. It's been so delightful that you've been with us today. Thank Always. you. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Yeah.